we've talked a lot in the past about the need to emulate the nature of God consciousness. That's the real secret of the mystic path. It's something that the Persian Sufis talked about a great deal. It's also something that Kabir and Hafiz and many others suggested as well. We've talked a great deal about how to, the fact that the nature of God consciousness is a one in many and many in one consciousness at the same time. We've talked about the loving, nourishing, refreshing, and enlightening process, the way in which the divine consciousness shares itself with every other aspect of consciousness in the world. Shares in such a way that it helps to awaken and enlighten every soul. We've talked about how we also need to be able to rest beyond all boundaries, beyond all time, beyond all. And the brilliant, self-radiant, self-refulgent consciousness of nirvana, source consciousness, which always glows, always infused, consciousness infused with a brilliant white light. We've talked about how we need to emulate the creative process of the divine, how to stay within the awakening process. And as we've talked about how we stay, when we stay in the awakening process, it's like becoming a star, an exploding star of light and sound and energy and consciousness. We've talked a great deal about how consciousness creates energy and how that energy coming from consciousness creates sound and light. What we haven't talked about enough is how to learn, how to emulate the enlightened process. How, in other words, how to emulate consciousness creating light and the light fueling the awakening process even more. The word light is interesting in the way it's used. In the ancient Upanishads, it sometimes meant refulgent light, light of the brilliant suns. It also meant means enlightenment. There's a quote in, in the Bible, John 1, I think it's around 120. A light shineth through the darkness, even though the darkness knoweth it not. It's a line that has double meaning. On one hand, it talks about the wisdom 
the enlightened wisdom of pure consciousness that shines throughout the entire cosmos as both consciousness and as actual light. So consciousness moves through the cosmos, creates energy. The energy creates both light and sound. Well, the quote from John 1.20 is in the part of the Bible, one of the parts of the Bible that talks about cosmology, the creation of the cosmos. It also talks about the creation of souls in the creative vortex. The creative vortex, when we reach the creative vortex, it's not we anymore. It's not even the soul awareness anymore because we merge into that one consciousness. And in that consciousness, we experience the creative process. We experience how our consciousness creates energy and how energy creates light and sound. Likewise, we experience the creation of many me copies of ourselves, which have sometimes been called souls. And as those souls are created, they're created in a flash of enlightened consciousness. And as the consciousness moves out into the cosmos, it moves out into many darkened places of the cosmos, enlightening all of those darkened places. I practice with Buddha in the caves. And we've talked about the white skeleton method that the Buddha taught in the caves to mystics, the mystic version of the white skeleton process. And it started with us as disciples, as his jivas, learning to place our consciousness in the first molecule, the big molecule on the left toe. And enlightening that molecule with intensity, pouring our loving consciousness into that molecule. As we pour our consciousness into that molecule, the aura, the light field of light in that aura begins to glow much more powerfully than ever before. The aura of the molecule, which is not much bigger than the head of a pin, it grows to the size of a pea and then to the size of a small tennis ball. Amazing. And when you look at it in your consciousness, you see a ball of light. An enlightened consciousness is what you're seeing. And then he would have us do it on the molecule on the right toe and the same thing would happen. And maintaining consciousness in multiple locations, which are all enlightened, the field of light ends up stretching from one molecule, enlightened molecule to another enlightened molecule. Towards the end of this process in which we enlightened, 300 or more molecules.
Buddha then tells us to put our consciousness in space, not in the space within the molecules, but in the dark depths of empty space. And then he tells us, enlighten that space in the same way that you enlightened the molecules. And you can guess what happens. The space itself, the dark space itself becomes a field of light, brilliant light. Light is amazing. It's an amazing attribute on the path. Once we reach the eye center, it's like the bright, it's like the, it's like the light of 10 suns, 10 moons. It's a white light, not a gold light. Every stage would go within, every new bubble of awareness would go within, every new region that we encounter, the amount of light in that region is much greater than it was in the previous region. The amount of light in the eye center is 10 times what it was that we normally experience in the mind and through the eyes, even on a bright sunny day, 10 times the brightness of that bright sunny day. By the time we reach the crown chakra, it's been described as the light by a hundred thousand suns, some saints say, and others like a million suns, some saints say an indescribable increase in light. When we reach source, well, when we reach anami consciousness, most saints bounce out quickly the first time around. Because there's a, such an ex, increased expansion of awareness and ex, increased expansion of energy, and an increased expansion of light. The light of Anami, some people call God, God consciousness. It is indescribable, perhaps a billion times brighter than the brightest sunlight on a sunlit day. The consciousness that you experience in Nirvana, that consciousness is, exists before, during, and beyond all cosmos. And it is a consciousness that is within every other region of consciousness lower than itself. Say, resting consciousness but it's not a dark consciousness. It too is incredibly enlightened, not just with wisdom, but with light. So one of the additional things we haven't practiced that we haven't talked about is the need to emulate the movement of consciousness into light. In other words, we have to learn to emulate the enlightening process itself. As we become one with 
the divine loving consciousness, we become one with the awakening process, the sharing process, the networking process and capabilities of pure consciousness. A pure consciousness that even in the first bubble, we recognize that it creates an energy and the energy creates, moves to the outer edges of our consciousness, becomes light and sound. We recognize early on on the path, when we get close to reaching the eye center, we sometimes have days where we wake up as a ball of light, not able, not able to see anything else except the light. And in a state of consciousness, that's phenomenal. We don't hear sounds. We have no mind-body awareness, no sense of time. It's like sitting on the cushion and getting in that first bubble of consciousness. The difference is we sometimes wake up in that enlightened, fully enlightened body of consciousness from the eye center. We're wide awake, we're not on the cushion. And we just float as light, float as a ball of light, float as a ball of enlightened consciousness till the light fades and we're in the world again. But even then, we're buzzing. We're buzzing with an illumined consciousness, with a feeling of energy beyond belief. It's in this light that we physically see, consciously see. It's everywhere on the path. Absolutely everywhere. When we stay within that ball, within the awakening process in the world, we end up in a state of harmonic resonance because we're emulating the nature of God so, so well within the human body. We, sh we create a significant amount of light. Our aura becomes filled with light. The air that we see in the world when we're floating in an enlightened consciousness as a silent observer, first, second, third, or fourth stages of Wu Wei, the light that we normally see with the human eyes is now replaced by a light that's at least five times greater. Those around us won't see it, won't feel it, but we will. If we start to come out of the awakening process, if we start to come out of our enlightened consciousness at the eye center when we're floating through the world, the light will begin to dim and the energy that we feel will begin to recede. The phenomenal thrill, the bliss that we feel will begin to diminish as well. But when we, that causes us to stop, causes us to pause, causes us to Resists the mind, the emotions, brings our attention back to our eye center, 
and immediately the light will increase. The light that we actually see through the eyes will increase. increase. The light of our consciousness, then the light of our aura increases dramatically. So how do we practice this light? And what other times in existence, what other times does the light come out of the darkness? It comes out of the darkness, goes into the darkness and enlightens the darkness during the creation process of the cosmos. Those great saints that have been blessed with the experience of being able to abide in nirvana beyond the dissolution of the cosmos. When you wake up outside of the enlightened ball of light, which is huge, it's huge, it's huge. Outside of this ball of enlightened consciousness, there's an even greater field of darkness. But as you begin the awakening process to awaken a new cosmos, to give birth to a new cosmos, the light within you builds, 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 flows out into the darkness. And the creation process begins. When we reach the crown chakra and beautiful, beautiful experience in the causal zone beyond the body, and we're floating back towards the mind after we've abided in the crown chakra for some period of time, we float through a field, through a blue world, and then through a navy blue consciousness, and then into a dark consciousness. It's a void. It's the color of dark space. We go a little further and we're in the white skeleton region where we see millions, billions of stars. They look like stars and it's like looking into the sky. The sky is everywhere, it's 360 degrees and we're nothing but a tiny little bubble of consciousness and the darkness of this vast inner space. And then a funny thing happens. We see a ribbon of light coming from one star to another star to our left. And the same thing happens to the right. And the light begins to grow. The light begins to flow. The light begins to interconnect these stars. And in that enlightened consciousness, it creates a new body for us, a new physical body for us. And our consciousness, once it's completed, is fully enlightened. But then if we think of the world, we think of the body that we had, we think of the life that we had within the body and the world, then sometimes we go back into the mind. Buddha's what white skeleton practice that I mentioned earlier is the reverse of this white skeleton practice.
when we're in the crown chakra, when we go into the crown chakra, we explode not as one single ball of consciousness, but as many balls of consciousness. Same time. And in each ball, our consciousness is expanding a hundred times a second, roughly. The energy that we feel is expanding a hundred times a second. The light that we're looking at is expanding a hundred times a second in every single ball of consciousness. We're like, it's like we're in five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 20 exploding balls of consciousness, enlightened consciousness. So we experience the creation of light, the create creation and the experiences of being enlightened beyond belief. But how do we practice it and what other benefits are there? Saints, since the beginning of time, have recommended that we meditate early in the morning in the darkness. Get up around 2.30, 3.30. Meditate, sit for three hours in the darkness. Advanced meditators attracted after having experienced the bliss within, after having been drawn deeply within that bliss, just can't let it go. And they'll start meditating around 10 o'clock at night after the sun goes down. Sometimes they'll meditate from 10 until seven in the morning. I did. There's no greater joy than the joy of becoming enlightened. No greater bliss, no greater experience than the joy of becoming enlightened. Enlightened not simply in awareness, but enlightened as a state and a pure light itself as well. When I was at the Radhaswami Dera in Agra, 1975, Maharaj Charan Singh used to pull me out of tour, pull me out of crowds, go into a crowd and pull me out of the crowd. And one day he decided to give me a private tour of Sawan Singh's house. It's also his house, we just didn't say that. We went upstairs, just him and I. And he got silent, watching me. Beautiful room. I could not take my eyes off of the chair, the meditation chair next to the bed. Glowed with light reverberated with light, brilliant light, light that you could feel in every cell of your body. And Jaren Singh 
looked at me and said, yes, Gregor. Sawan Singh also started meditating at night and finished in the morning. Continue to do that. Many saints have talked about the need to meditate in the darkness, the need to see the lights. I just picked a few quotes randomly. These quotes are from the great Persian saint Mahmoud. I and you are but the lattices in the niches of a lamp, says Mahmud, through which the one light shines. I and you are the veil between heaven and earth. The meaning here is clear. The light of God consciousness through the God consciousness is within every soul. The awakening process of the creative power within our soul is the same creative power of the divine consciousness. And it sits at the center of the awakening process in our soul, which and creates a brilliant effulgent light same light shines through the entire cosmos. He goes further in a few more poems. If your beloved friend, the divine consciousness, sheds his light on you, you automatically become near to him. And far, far, far from your own mind-body existence. For by nearness to him, you become far from yourself. Far from the darkness and the ignorance of the mind, near to him, we become a ball of enlightened consciousness. This is what he's saying. He goes further. Like a good onanic, he talks a lot about equipoise. Guru Nanak quite often talked about the light, the brilliant light, the light of a million suns that's experienced in the equipoise of the soul. Mahmud here also talks about it. Equipoise is the summit of perfection, becoming like a simple essence, like the rays of the sun shining upon the earth, so too will the light from your soul shine brightly on you and on the entire world as well. For everyone, from everyone who has attained this equilibrium. And yet in another poem, he says, the prophet resplendent 
refulgent, shining in his perfection, shines brighter than the sun's brightest light. And the saint concealing his saintship is as the sub subdued light of the moon. By fellowship, the saint is intimate with the prophet and finding entrance to that secret enlightened chamber. He loves and is beloved by the immortal truths. In the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 8, Krishna talks of, to Arjuna about the lights. He says, one should meditate on the Supreme Being, the one who is omniscient, most ancient, controller of everything, smaller of the smallest, maintainer and sustainer of all, beyond all material conception, inconceivable, and more refulgent than the sun beyond all darkness, the darkness of the day, the darkness of the night, and the darkness of the calm cosmos. In the Upanishads, it is said that the sun of consciousness, the brilliant light of pure consciousness, within my heart keeps on shining and shining and shining all the time forevermore neither does it set neither does it rise it is worship itself good of them said bravely practicing thus rise higher into the state of Brahma, the enlightened state of Brahma. Through regular and rigorous practice of Drishti Yoga, Drishti Yoga or Dhyan Yoga, is letting your consciousness expand within the light. And that's what he says here, through regular and rigorous practice of Drishti Yoga, which is called meditation on divine light within. The trembling or shaking of attention of vision would automatically go away as the surat becomes enlightened. Kabir says, shut your eyes, your ears and your mouth and lovingly keep gazing in front of you. Keep your attention quietly resting within the awakening process. You'll hear myriads of sounds ricocheting here and you'll enjoy the mesmerizing, mesmerizing displays of brilliant light. And another place Kabir says, O oh Guru, in the middle of the eyes lives the prophet of God as a star, as an exploding star of brilliant light. 
This is the radiant light in its visible form. It's the all-pervading light of God consciousness, the invisible God who exists within even the blackest points of space. In another uh, part, Kibir says, focusing or joining the currents of the eyes at an, an infinitesimal point in front of you will pierce the well of darkness, the veil of darkness, and produce an experience of refulgent consciousness. We should learn this tact of meditation on the divine light. All this drishti yoga from a true guru. What happens when we sit in the darkness at night, meditating, practicing? There's a number of things that happen. In the emptiness of the dark space at night, when we start our meditation or when we sit for meditation, removed from the wanderings of the mind, the energy patterns of the mind, we're thus reminded of our intrinsic awareness. When we let everything else fade into the darkness, what's left? is our intrinsic awareness, awareness that was always there, an immortal awareness. And as we dive closer to, the, to this awareness, to the source of our awareness, we become enlightened. The light grows, the light grows, the light grows. As we leave the first bubble of consciousness, first region of consciousness at the eye center, many different bubbles of awareness within it, four or five different bubbles of awareness within it. But then we reach the first stage of joy. And the joy hits us like a lightning bolt. And yes, like a lightning bolt, it also fills us with light, immense light, immense bliss at the same time. Many saints and philosophers, having reached this stage, think they've reached heaven. They haven't, but it's, it's such an amazing experience that it's hard to believe that you haven't reached heaven. However, if you can rest and keep your attention on the divine presence itself, on the divine consciousness itself, on the source of your awareness itself, you melt even deeper into the next region of joy. And the joy comes in waves. And in every wave of joy, you see and feel the effects of more light, brilliant light, more brilliant than the light that you saw in the previous region of joy. When you go beyond that, you go into the region of grace. That light is infused everywhere within your consciousness. 
the grace of God, divine presence, feeling the divine presence is likewise infused with the light in every aspect of your consciousness. If you then go beyond the grace of region of grace into the cave of Brahma, and it's a hidden region, not all saints experience it. It's an empty spot in your brain, a vacuum in the brain. You float into this consciousness and your consciousness rests in this empty spot as bolts of lightning streak from one synapse ending to another, electromagnetic pulses. If you look at the light, the external light, you fall back into the mind. But if you keep your consciousness, your enlightened consciousness, and the awakening consciousness and the source of your consciousness, which is a brilliant light itself, if you keep your consciousness there, then you go beyond the cave of Brahma into the crown chakra. Every time, however, every time we sit in darkness, every time we can rest silently, fully relaxed manner, we experience an enlightened awareness, a more blissful awareness infused with light. And the deeper in each region that we go, the greater this light is. The other thing that happens when we're sitting in darkness, in the emptiness, is our mind-body awareness begins to fade. And as it begins to fade, our memories begin to fade. And as our memories fade, the attachments and desires and emotions that were attached to those memories, connected to those memories, begin to fade. So in an enlightened state of consciousness, a state of consciousness that becomes full of light as we melt within, our karma is also scrubbed clean. And the lighter load of karma helps to create an enlightened awareness that lasts for decades. And as their load of karma becomes lighter, a clear awareness becomes stronger and the refulgent light within us becomes brighter. What else happens as when we meditate in the darkness? We're reminded of the immortality of our actual awareness. Everything else will come and go. Thoughts, emotions, memories, come and go. The energy is created by our consciousness and even that goes. But we recognize the one thing that stays 
is enlightened consciousness at the core of every bubble. The closer we get to the center of every bubble of awareness, the more light we experience. And as we sit in an enlightened awareness, we realize our purpose, part of our purpose. And in the second and third stage of Wu Wei, when we notice that the mind, our mind is enlightened by the light that flows through it. And as our aura becomes stronger, full of light, the mind begins to work perfectly in the world in such a way that the mind will gradually, slowly, magically, mysteriously enlighten the people around us in the world. Uh, this is a huge milestone. It's a milestone in which we realize that when we become one with the awakening process within us, the enlightened awakening process within us, our mind will do the same. It will begin to awaken. It will begin to enlighten the people around the mind. When we reach equipoise, when we're shining brilliantly in light in an enlightened manner, we become peaceful beyond all means, peacefully resolute, lovingly resolute, intrinsically, naturally, in a state of love, naturally in a state of enlightened consciousness. We can watch it sometimes when our astral eyes open. We, when our awareness is closer to the source of its own awareness, it can watch as the mind paints, as the mind receives electromagnetic signals and paints pictures that it wants the mind to see. But when we, in this situation, when our, we are close to our enlightened awareness, the very air is infused with light. It's just that the electromagnetic rivers of light that we see and the colored ribbons of light that we see they become translucent and the light is infused in everything. Sometimes we wake up in a ball of light and float through the day fully enlightened. Sometimes we wake up and see trillions of 
molecules in the air, all of them filled with light, all of them glowing with light, all of them acting as a small star of enlightened consciousness. Creating a light so brilliant, it's far beyond the brilliance that we see in the most beautiful sunlit day. So we need to sit, we need to float. We need to float as a silent observer and let the enlightening process occur. Let the, our consciousness become enlightened. Let our consciousness become a guiding light for everyone else in the world. We need to emulate the nature of God in everything that we do. And our real purpose in life happens, occurs, as Gurunanak says, when we stay within the court of the Lord, as the creative process happens. As Hussein says, as we stay within the awakening process, as we float within the awakening process, refulgent as a ball of enlightened consciousness. And we can practice that, you see. We, every time we practice becoming more aware, every time we move towards the source of our awareness, we're emulating the nature of God. Every time we become nothing but that enlightened awareness, we are emulating the enlightenment process, the awakening process of divine consciousness itself. As you go deeper and deeper within bubbles of consciousness, you'll see more and more light. Don't see it as something outside of yourself. Realize that that you are that light. Your consciousness is that. Your consciousness is enlightened awareness. And as a enlightened awareness, your consciousness has creative power and can use the creative power at the core of your soul to intensify the awakening process and to become more enlightened at the same time. It's good not to chase the light outside of you. It's also good to enjoy the enlightened consciousness that you are. Realize the deeper you go, the more light, the more 
enlightened you will become, the more light will shine through your consciousness, the more the light of your consciousness will shine through everything else, the more the light of your consciousness will help to awaken everything else. We learn to learn how to love. We learn to, we live to learn how to love the divine. Deeper yet, we live to learn how to love the enlightened divine consciousness. Deeper yet still, we learn, we live to learn how to emulate the enlightening, awakened consciousness. Deeper yet, deeper yet. We learn, we live to learn how to be the enlightened, awakening process itself. So realize, that we're not just meditating for ourselves. We're not just meditating for our own sake. We're not just looking at the divine presence and feeling the divine presence because of our own needs. Melt, melt, melt within the divine presence. Realize the grace within you, the grace that comes from God, the blessing from the divine presence itself. Realize how great the light is, realize how great the love is and give into it. Let yourself go. Let yourself melt within that awakening process and having fully melted away, having fully dissolved, when your own self-perception begins to disappear, you begin to be the enlightening process that awakens the world. Namaste. Any questions? <laughs>